Hallelujah. God is good. Let's begin this morning. As you're finding a seat, I want to quickly remind you, next Sunday evening, just a few few hours away from one week. So in other words, probably around 5.30, 6 o'clock, we'll meet here next Sunday, next Sunday. And what we're going to do is each group that comes, we're going to have different restaurants and we're going to send you out in surprise groups. So we'll say that this group of people that have signed up are going to this restaurant. It's a great way to get to know each other kind of in a different way than maybe what's customary. Here's what I do know, that every time that we put ourselves together, we learn something about somebody that we didn't know previously. So I want to encourage you to sign up for it. Uh, A lot of us go out to eat quite regularly. And uh, so this is an opportunity for you to come uh, next Sunday evening, something a little different, the the last Sunday of July, and then also the last Sunday of August. We're going to do this during the summer and uh, just connect with one another. Uh, In the culture that we live in, it's easier uh, to kind of stay shallow. You know what I mean? Because if if nobody knows what I'm going through, you know, I kind of think that, you know, it, it might be better to be private. You know, let me tell you, that's not the word of God. It is important for us to be connected as a body of believers. Therefore, we can help each other when we go through things. If we do not know each other, it is easier for us to say, well, I don't want to be concerned with that problem or that I'm not concerned with that really circumstance in my life. So so next Sunday night is one way that we can demonstrate walking in love. You know, this this is a summer season and it, it's such a different season. It seems like things slow down, especially in Texas. Anybody with me on this? You know, in, in the fall, it seems like it picks up. Now, some of you might be extremely busy right now, but just just the heat of the summer. I, I, I tell this to our church every summer. Do not make major decisions in the extreme of the year, the, the summertime, especially in Texas and, and then in deep winter. That, that would be around the end of January, February, because what happens is the circumstances that are around us and what we're talking about is the temperature, especially in Texas. Ha- have you noticed that people are a little bit less tolerant on the highways in the summer? What are you doing? You know, they, they, they're more, you know, ready to, you know, extreme. And sometimes the heat can do that in our lives. So just be aware of that in making major decisions like burning your business down or, you know, things like that. Just just suggestion. Don't, don't do that, uh, especially, especially in the heat of the summer. Man, I'm so glad that you're here and I'm glad that I could be here this morning. Because I believe that God gave me a word for our church. And and this is one of those, every week I believe that God can speak a word that can actually change our lives. But as I was speaking this, and I I study it all week, and I preach it, and I confess it over my life. And and by the time I get here, I'm like, wow. The things that I've known in my life, but it is the, the reminding of myself which keeps me on track. It is so easy just to be off a few degrees. And then when I get to the place, maybe the next step of my life, I go, what, what was happening there? That, that's why it is important for the Word of God to keep us on track. So this morning, as, as we get into this message, I, I want to pray in a few seconds. But, but the, the title of my series is From Here to There. And, and we've got this 
and it's going to be a little bit maybe harder to illustrate. Jeff thought he'd come up with a little creative, more design. And, and so I'm, I'm going to do it this way. From here to there, there's things that go on. And it's so easy for us as we go through life to get off track. Now somehow off track is coming back to where I'm going to stand today. So I don't, I don't know what symbolism that is. This morning, I want you to understand the truths that are going to be told to you in a few minutes and taught to you through the Word of God will allow you as believers. Let me take another step in just identifying who you are. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, I believe that we're sons and daughters of Jesus. And we know that, don't we? Anybody doubt that? That we are sons and daughters of our God? He, he, he's adopted us into His family. While we were yet sinners, He chose us. When we chose Him, we enter into His family. Now watch this. We are royalty. We are sons and daughters of the King. You're, you're royalty. Can, can I say it this way? Now, Kind of, kind of allow it to kind of sink in. We have some princes. And some princesses, some princes and some princesses <laughs> that are developing their life for royalty. Any time in, in ancient history, the, the royal children would be brought in and trained to be able to rule and to reign. Now, that was just something that they did because they knew the job ahead of them wasn't going to be just to sit out there on, a, on an anthill and go, you know, this isn't no fun, this life of ours. Everybody with me on that? So, so there's something about having the freedom that God brings to His children. If we walk in that freedom, let me tell you, I believe that the enemy comes against that freedom in order for us not to have the freedom and the liberty of creative expression to do the things that God wants us to do here in this world. Leading to influence people to, that He has an agenda to lead the world. You know, sometimes when we hear something about the Muslims or the Hindus have an agenda to rule the world, we go, oh no, an agenda. That's what we have as Christians. We have an agenda to, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ coming into this world and dying for people that they might have eternal life. That's pretty good news. So this morning when we talk about the freedom that God wants for His children, there are things from here to there that get in our way. There are obstacles that get in our way that keep us from that freedom and walking in that liberty. Last week we talked about how bitterness, which is anger and self-disappointment, can develop in our lives and the reason that we talked about that, the subject was self-condemnation. And I hope that you remember that. And if you weren't here, what is the good thing about Facebook is most of the time we hit play right at the right time or record and it can be recorded and it takes some effort to go back, I know, and put yourself in a place where you can hear it again. But I encourage you to do that because hearing the Word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Last week we talked about self-condemnation and how that can lead to a bitterness or a place in our hearts of having bitterness. This week we're going to be talking about how jealousy is the, the pre-emotion that will lead to bitterness. 
But here's what I want you to focus on. Even though we're talking about the obstacle that's in front of us, that God has already declared that He is an overcomer in this world, therefore we can overcome. So I'm not talking about some big monster out there that's going to keep you from all that God has for you. I'm talking that God has already made a way for us to overcome jealousy that can come into our lives. Now, a lot of times when we talk about jealousy or you think of jealousy, you think about the little junior high girl that goes, oh, I'm jealous because she told stole my boyfriend. Jealousy. But it goes a lot deeper and it is in play in adults' life and sometimes they don't even see it as jealousy. So this morning, I want to pray. Father, today, as we talk about this subject, God, you've already given us a way to go around or go through Go over, go under, whatever that God, you've given us a way to make it through this thing that comes into our life and attacks us and our identity in you. Father, we thank you for that. Therefore, God, I pray that no matter where we are right now in our lives, going through this or not, that we will declare that the word of God is real and true and can change my thinking and transform my mind. That God, I will be equipped to do the things that you've asked me to do as your child. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. In Hebrews, just real quick, I want you to see that I want to kind of set this sermon up so that you'll know that it's not John Miller. Are you ready? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. God's grace is amazing. And there's some people that it blows right by and they don't even see it. Make sure no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Now watch this. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness springing or sprouting within them. Which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. What we're going to be talking about today is that root of bitterness. Anybody ever seen a root that starts? No, because it's under the ground. It's something that is unseen by your eye until it, here's the spiritual word, manifest. Something in the unseen becomes seen. So a root that's developed over time will then produce a fruit that springs up. The Bible is saying, be careful. Do not let the root of bitterness Sprout in your life. Do not. Because God's grace is so amazing on you. Now, now watch, watch this. Here's what I want you to see. Is knowing the knowledge of it. And then processing that knowledge to action. Brings maturity in the prince. In the princess. Now, what, what, is, what is that? When you're taught something. It is so good. We all applaud that. You know that. That's great. But it is of no knowledge unless it comes out into your actions. Until it is a visible. It, this is a spiritual virtue that you learn about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody, That's wonderful. Those are spiritual virtues that come out, manifest into the physical realm. And somebody can't just say, I have every fruit of the Spirit working in my life as long as I'm not around people. Wrong. It's got to be played out in the 
visible world that we live in. Okay, so if this is the case, here's something that a lot of people forget. Watch this. In the book of Matthew, matter of fact, chapter 6, it says, here's what we do as believers and sons and daughters. Remember, when you pray, forgive other people their faults so that God can forgive you of your faults. And we go, yeah, I know that. But do you see it like this? Have you ever gone out to water your yard and you yelled to somebody, hey, Gwen, turn on the hose. And she turns it on about one-tenth of a turn. Did you turn it on? Yeah, I turned it on. Full blast. We have the power to regulate the flow of grace to our life on how we forgive somebody else. Okay. So with all that playing in your mind, I want us to read Galatians 5, chapter 18. Again, the subject is, watch this, from here to there, not allowing bitterness to spring up in our hearts. We know self-condemnation can lead to bitterness. Now watch this, how jealousy will lead to bitterness too. Before I read this, I want you to understand that bitterness is something that will disintegrate the inside of the believer. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and it starts from the inside, bitterness, in disintegrating what you believe, stand for, Walking in love, everything against what God's plan is for your life. So Galatians, Paul is making it very clear. He's saying, hey, church at Galatia, hey, 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 make sure, come on guys, you're just starting out as a new church. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law but soaring above it. In other words, you won't just be going on, thou shall not. You'll be able to go to the next level of saying, I want to do this because I see there's a value in it. Now watch this. As a believer, what we have to do is understand that in the world that we're living in now, if it doesn't feel good, we think that it's not right. That's why I feel that I'm okay being jealous against you. Feelings. What we're doing is getting truth that's placed in our mind that when those feelings come later, I don't know if I like you. We go, no, that's wrong. Somebody in your life doesn't have to come to you and go, that's wrong thinking because you already know it. This is how Galatians chapter 5 goes on to say, the cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after the things, chasing after things instead of God. But then he leaves this section to talk really, you could sum it up, I could, in jealousy. Watch what he says. Now, all these things are going to be things that will lead to not having an, an eternal life. Watch this. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Ooh, that one hurts. Let me say it again. 
resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums. Adults don't have any tantrum. Anybody? Let's move on quickly. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Sometimes I don't like these translations. How about you? I like him kind of in a spot of old English where you kind of go, I'm not for sure about that one. I'm not for sure about that one. But boy, when it's a translation that's right there, you got to deal with it. Angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Do you know, I, I'm, I'm to the point in my life where I think that Satan don't even care what opinion you have. Just as long as you get out of the character of God in expressing it. Write that down. Write that down. Let me, let me express this. Or let me say it. Satan don't care if you're against abortion. Especially if you get out of the character of God and go and trying to kill abortionists or doctors that are doing... He don't care that you have an opinion that you need to feed the poor if you go steal from the rich. <laughs> okay, we're going to go on. Because I could, I could preach there for a while. Here, here's another one. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions. Wild parties and other similar behavior. He said, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom, the realm of God? Now listen to this. As we are children of God, we're learning through the word of God how to be kings and queens, how to rule and reign on this earth by the influence of the good news that we share to other people. So when people go, you know what, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get you. See, see, we used to be a country that other countries would look as, as a Christian nation and go, why are you so blessed? Why is it that, you're, you know, that, that your police don't take bribes and all these other things that other countries, it's just common sense that they do that. Because a Christian nation was built on different ways of thinking that was not man's way of thinking, it was God's way of thinking. So, so, Watch this. As kings and queens in training, we're learning things through this passage. Now this morning, here, here's what I want you to see. Because this is the example of, of jealousy, uh, self, selfish ambition that took place. It's, it's in the book of Matthew, and it's uh, chapter 20. Now, because of time, I'm going to summarize this story. It, it's called the parable of workers in the vineyard. And, and let me just tell you this. I'm going to tell you the way it went. And then I'm going to embellish on it. To, to bring out the emotion. Of the listener. And what could be your emotion this morning. Now now watch this. It says that a wealthy. Before I start this. I love this translation. Because it says. This will help you understand. How the kingdom of God works. Kings and queens in training. Now, now we're. Going to heaven. So let, let's learn what's happening in heaven. 
and we begin to practice thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, the parable goes like this. A wealthy landowner, a rancher, he needs help on the ranch. So he goes down before daybreak to a place where they hire out day laborers. And he tells the day laborers, he goes, would you come work on my ranch? And they they said, yes, we will. So let's just say that they're going to work 12 hours. They're going to work all the way till night. It's going to be 12 hours. And he says, I'm going to give you $120. We're just doing that, making this up. $120. They go, good, we can do that. So they go to his ranch and they begin to work. All through the day, he goes back to that same place and begins to hire other workers. At 9 o'clock, he comes, and there's a group of guys. Why are you still here? Well, nobody's hired us. Come work at the ranch. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he takes a whole other group out. Then at three or at 9 and noon and 3 and 5 o'clock, he keeps going back, and there's another group. 5 o'clock. If he works, let's say sundown is at 7 o'clock. The first group at 7 o'clock. I, I'm, I'm just embellishing. But let's say 12 hours they're going to work. He goes at 5 o'clock. How many hours are still on the work day? Two. And he hires the same group, a group of people that are there, and brings them out to the ranch, and they work. At nightfall, he tells the foreman of the group, he says, go out there and get all of them, and we're going to start paying them. It's payday. Let's pay them up. He says, I want to give you the, give each one of those groups, he's talking to the foreman, each one of those groups the same amount of money. Now, now, stick with me in the story. As the first group comes to get paid, it's the group that's only been working a couple hours. So the guys in the back of the line, which was there at daybreak at 7 o'clock in the morning, and the owner pays them we're just making this up. Let's say $10 an hour, $120 each. The guys in the back of the line are looking going, whoo, he's generous. He's going to pay us more because we work more. So the next group came up, 120 The next group, 120 The next group, which is the guys that were there since daybreak, gets $120. Now I want you to read this with me. Because this is where the tipping point, this is what happens at this moment the jealousy begins to develop in their life. It's the moment that they, here goes. When those hired late in the day came to be paid, they were given a full day's wage. And when those who had been hired first came to be paid, they were convinced that they would be receiving more. But everyone was paid the standard wage. Now verse 11 says this. If, you're, if you get your Bibles out, circle verse 11. If you get your iPhone, highlight it in verse and highlight it, whatever you need to do. When they realized what had happened, they were offended and complained to the landowner saying, You've tre- you're treating us unfairly. They've only worked for one hour while we've slaved and sweated all day long under the scorching sun. You've made them equal to us. Now, before I go on to the response of the landowner, 
Think about it with me. You're the people that have worked since daybreak. Let's put it in our terms, okay? If all of us were on a jury thinking, was the landowner fair or was he unfair to this point in the story? Maybe we would lean on unfair. Now let me go another little further. How many people work outside on a daily basis right now in our church? How many people? It's hot in Texas. These are people that, these are people, maybe women. I don't know if there were men and women. Let's just say the people that got there at daybreak, do you know they had to get up early? They had to get their family in order. They had to eat breakfast in order to be down at the workstation to be hired. It's hot out there. They stayed up late last night. But still, they were responsible enough to get there on time. When they got hired, they did a full day wait. Shouldn't they get paid more than the guy that gets there just a few hours? See, I can persuade a group. Well, yes, pastor. Yes. And I'm sure everybody that was there longer than the guys that just spent one hour in the back of the line were going. And all these thoughts are going on in their mind. We could, we could go and take all the work back. We could knock over all the hay bales. We could, we could chew the cows. Whatever they did. Are you with me? Do, do you feel like you've been gypped? Life is unfair, I tell you what. I can see a lot of you have already read the end of the story and you're not biting on that. But let's just go on. Verse number 13, the landowner replied, Friends, I'm not being unfair. I'm doing exactly what I said. Did not you agree to work for the standard wage? If I want to give those who only work for an hour equal pay, what does that matter to you? Now, this morning, but it matters, doesn't it? I've worked all day. Has anybody beside me been up to the counter before? Huh? You got a reason. But the but the owner goes on and says, verse 15, here's another one to highlight. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Why should my generosity make you jealous of them? Now, now if, if you can stay with me mentally through the rest of this message, it's going to help you. Another translation says this. Is your eye evil because I'm good? What I know about all of us is we all are in this story sometimes as the group of people that got hired in the morning and got the same pay. But some of the times we're the ones that got favor put on our lives that only worked one hour and got the same pay as everybody else. All of us in this building have experienced the favor of God on our life. And I appreciate your amen. His free grace. His unmerited favor. We all have those moments, but here's the question that we have to ask ourselves when we feel that 
that, that root of jealousy start developing in our life? Is your eye evil because God is good? Let, let me say it another way. Because of the corruption in your own heart, do you see the goodness of God displayed on someone else in the wrong way? Are you with me? Because you see God working in the favor on somebody. I don't know what it is about it, but, but you've been there probably with me that you've been believing for God to do something in your life and someone shows up and bang, they get it. And they're like, oh, look at this. God, what about this guy? You might be believing something in your life. You might be a, a, a healing in your life, a financial promotion in your life. It, it might be that you, you have an unsaved child and you've been praying, whatever it might be. And somebody shows up and, and my, my son hasn't been serving God and all of a sudden he, he came to God. You know, oh, good for you. And because of the goodness of God on somebody else is our eye what we see a perspective is evil that we begin to be jealous about what God has done some in someone else's life huh have you ever remember back when you were single and and the friend that you hung out with said I've got a boyfriend good well I don't have a boyfriend I don't have a girlfriend I think I'm better looking than you Jealousy can begin. See, Proverbs in the New Testament also say this, that if we can't take care of another man's possession, in other words, a stewardship, then we, I don't about disqualify, but we do not qualify for promotion in our own life. And a lot of times we think of that as stewardship and we think of it as some possession, like borrowing a, a weed eater or borrowing their vehicle. In a practical way of, of looking at it, let's say as a vehicle, a lot of times people will rent a car and treat it like a dog. And they won't treat their own car that way, but this is a rent-a-car, you know. And, and the Bible says if you cannot treat somebody else as another man's position, then you are disqualifying yourself. How can God reward you? But I want you to look at it in this, in this, in this context. When God's favor is on somebody and it's their possession, how do you deal with another man's favor on his own life? How, how's that working in your life? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? How do you handle it when God says, I want you to take care of the favor that I put on his life. I want you to celebrate with them that she got a boyfriend. Have you ever seen somebody with favor that, you know, has two cars and they go in and they're the, you know, the, the millionth customer and the bells go off and they got a free car? I didn't even need a car and I got a car. And you go, well, I've been believing for a while for my own car. I don't even have a car. Don't, don't try to ask me how that works. It's God's favor that he puts. It's not me to go, well, I'll tell you, you do two plus two equals four. I do know blessing blockers that can come in your life, not walking in love and stuff like that. But as far as God's unmerited favor, but how do you handle it when the day comes when you do not receive what you've been believing for, but it's on somebody else?
Those are the times when, again, that you've heard the battle that we're in a war. We do not war against flesh and blood, you know, but really the devil. Uh, that our weapons are not carnal, but powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. We have all these things about warfare. This is the battle of the mind that takes place and where jealousy just pokes its head up and goes, hey, hey, why don't you invite me over to the house? Open the door, I'll come in. Is your eye evil because I'm good? When there's things that are not right in your eye, which is your perspective, you'll constantly try to twist the circumstance into your favor. Now, now this is important. Stay with me. Because a pre-emotion, a bitterness that's going to dwell in your life and continually just nag at you begins possibly through jealousy. This is in the battle when you feel that you've been wounded. And instead of allowing that to heal and moving on, you just keep nursing it. I can't fight anymore because I'm wounded. God, you've mistreated me. Listen to this. Jealousy moves to read others' motives and prove you have been wrong and have a right to be jealous and bitter. Let me tell you, that kind of mindset, I want, I want you to hear me, is the unrenewed mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. This comes, and it's not of God. This is, let me tell you, I read this passage last week. This is why it's so easy, just kind of, cannonball in the stream of bitterness and it feels so good just to dwell in the lazy river just oh I'm so bitter and I have a right to be because I'm wise it is wisdom but it's just not wisdom from God James chapter 3 says this so I want to prove it to you that I'm not making this up James chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. Again, fruit. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitterness. You remember when Mark last week brought up the sign of bitterness and you go, hey, harbor here. Port the ship right over here on me. Bitterness. It goes on to say, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Here's the part. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Well, you didn't have to go there. It's demonic? Yeah, demonic. But it feels so good to just be in the pool of bitterness. It's wisdom. It's demonic wisdom. Children of the king do not follow demonic wisdom. We come against it. Let me give you this illustration. When we're on the journey from here to there, and we know that the long walk goes with it. We know that illustration of all the things that we go through. And we're going here, 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 and we're on track, and all of a sudden, one day we wake up and we go, how did we get off the track that we should have been on? This is what I'm talking about right here. Right here is where you go, this is what happened. 
when I became jealous, there was a circumstance that took place in our lives. Watch this. When it moved to read other people's motive. I know what they did and I know their motive. That's why I have a right to be jealous and I have a right to be bitter. So this morning, if you're this far and you say, yeah, okay, how do we deal with that? Here's how you do it. Stay away from thinking you can read somebody else's motives. Put a no trespassing sign right there. This is part, let me, I'm just going to be transparent because we're not going to take a microphone around. How's that look in your life right now? But since I'm here and I've got the microphone, this is hard. But the Bible says, how, you, you can't read somebody else's heart because you can't even read your own heart. If you're taking notes, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is wicked. Who can even understand it, the Bible says. If I can't even understand my own heart, but I can think, oh, I'm super spiritual, baby. I can discern what you were thinking. And I know you. So I have a right to be bitter and jealous. It does not come from heaven. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. Let me, let me repeat this. People who say, I can discern when that person, because God showed me their heart. Can, can I tell you this? No, He didn't. No, He did not. He's a better steward over walking in love with somebody else. And He would not show you somebody's motive that would cause a division between two people. But there is somebody else that will show you the motives of somebody else. But it's not Jesus Christ. Pastor, that hurts. I know I've been preaching it to myself all week. Listen, listen. When, when, when you get to that place where you say, you know what, I, I'm at a different season in my life and I can see that. No, you're not. You're dwelling in the one year experience over and over and over and over. You might be in God 10 years, but you have not matured. You have not placed in action. What the word of God is saying is do not allow this to happen. Even if you feel wise, this is not of God. Bitterness and jealousy masquerade under the need for justice. If you get to the place where you go, I demand justice. I have the right because they did. Check yourself. As they say, before you wreck yourself. Again, the battle of the mind. Now, now let, let me just, because I'm almost done. This is where strongholds begin to develop. Again, Middle East, Middle East, Middle Ages, maybe in the Middle East, they would create strongholds so that when an opponent, good or bad opponent, would come, that person or that group of people or that country would have a strong hold against the opponent. Everybody with me? So they would bring in 
master builders and they would always come up with different designs of how to repel any of opponents that would come against them. You can imagine you would choose two to be high up on a castle wall looking down going, come on up. So you would rather be in the stronghold. Now watch this. Every time that you allow the door to be opened to bitterness, if it's self-condemnation, if it's jealousy, all those things, regret, all those things are in the past. The, the circumstance of jealousy even happened yesterday, the day before, 20 years ago. When you allow the enemy an open door, he comes in and begins to build a stronghold. That's why it's so important for believers to understand that we bring every thought captive. Make it subject to God. But watch this. A stone placed in that stronghold. Please hear me. Listen, this is it. It's the illegitimate thoughts and feelings Satan raises up against other people to us. A lot of times it's what we think against our identity or against our purpose in life. But let me say it again, because you'll hear this today and, and you can hear it in two weeks and go, that's the most genius thing, because you'll forget it already. So as soon as you hear this, you need to begin to look at self, do some self-examination, have some self-awareness, get outside of yourself and, and look at yourself and what's happening in your life right now and go, oh, Right there. Listen. It's the illegit illegitimate thoughts and feelings. Important that you understand feelings. I just don't feel. That's why we do not go on our feelings. The illegitimate thoughts and feelings Satan raises up against other people to us. When I begin to embrace those thoughts that he's accusing someone else in my life, I'm allowing him to put a stone. Now, now just that thought isn't going to be a stronghold. But if I continue to allow that, as you know, that we nurse those thoughts and we go, well, maybe, well, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, and we just begin to meditate on something that's demonic, See, that's a whole different thought than some, well, I have a right, it's wisdom, they did me wrong. But what we're doing is we're allowing the enemy to build strongholds in our life that he can hide behind. And that's, that disintegration begins to happen on the inside. Well, pastor Christians can't be Influenced by demons. That, that's, that's wrong. That's just not true. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't allow him to have a stronghold in your life. In other words, you could. Don't. Hmm. When that is happening, listen to me, in all humility, and, and you might have already been offended in this, this sermon and your spirit's closing. I'm not listening to that. Please, open it up just for a few seconds. 
It's time to allow repentance to take place in your life. That you begin to deal with the lies that the enemy has fed you maybe a couple days, maybe a couple weeks, maybe your entire life. Over maybe it's your brother that said something or your sister. I'm talking biological brother or sister. Now we don't see each other. Bunch of nut jobs, you know. The lady that cuts my hair. I haven't seen her sister in, because she said something. I said, are you a believer? Yeah. Well, you know you really don't have any legal right, spiritually speaking, to say that. Because I usually don't tell them that I'm a pastor until after they cut my hair. I just couldn't take it. Begin dealing with the lies. Now, now this, this I'm, I'm closing within five minutes, so stay with me. There's work that needs to be done, but you can do it. Again, if you're a prince and a princess and you're, you're beginning to be developed into influencing the world that we live in, if this is working in your life, let me encourage you to find the truth about what God thinks about that other person. That you're allowing them that the, the, the forgiveness and what God has for you is working for them. Now, let me say it this way. There's something about keeping from the spirit of accusation in other words, somebody that has treated you wrong that you think and that jealousy. There, there's one thing about just saying, okay, I'm going to put them out of my life. But hate isn't the, diff, isn't the opposite of love. You know that? It's indifference is the difference of love. And a lot of times when we get to this place and somebody's doing this in our life or has done it in our life and we feel like that we have wisdom in treating them bad or whatever, Listen, the answer is not just saying, I'm going to put them over there and they're just wrong. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to allow them to control my life. That sounds so good. But here's the work that takes place in a believer's life. Ready? It's not going to be easy for you. You know, though, that God didn't promise us a rose garden the day that we came Christians, right? Everybody? Everybody? Okay. So here's the thought. To take it to another level where you begin to pray that God will give you the heart. His heart. Towards that person. If you could wash their feet. If you could know their history. Many times the people that are just rascals in our life that we want to, there is no good in them. If you would put yourself in their shoes growing up and through their life to the point where they're in, you would understand why they're limping right now. Oh God. Now, if we were there in their shoes, we'd say, God, I, I want to be delivered. I want, I want freedom. But being people that are not below but are above would then begin to reason, how? How can I get the heart of God for that person? How can I put myself in a place to feel the love of God for that person that's even hurting me? (laughs) 
There's, there's action that is needed. Do you hear me? If you're there this morning and this is something that of a wound in your heart, it's not going to be one sermon, I lay my hands on you, and it's okay. You know that, right? This is going to take a process. We did not get to this place overnight, so it's a change of direction and time that will get us back. So, so here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes or not, I want you to go home and read 1 John, okay? All the thoughts of, well, I can't do this, or I don't know if it's God's will. In the book of 1 John, he kind of grabs us by the rosy cheeks and looks us in the eyes and goes, <laughs> yeah, you can. If you're called a, a believer, I'm going to give you two lines out of two verses just to kind of give you an idea. 1 John chapter 2. Anyone who claims, I love that part, claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Can he say that the maybe in dimmer light? First John 4.20 You can't say I love my God who I can't see but hate my brother I can see. There, there has to be a visible listen to this you can't claim to have a spiritual virtue working in your life like forgiveness or walking in love if there is no visible sign in your behavior. So, so if you're taking notes, I want to give you some action steps. There's somebody that has offended you, or, or you were the people in line and you looked up there and go, ah, that's not fair. There, there's somebody in your life, if you are dealing in this, here's what I want you to do. I, I, first of all, just, just pray about it. You know how that goes? Just, just pray about it. Allow God to deal with you in your life. As your pastor, I want you to write these down and begin working on them. Number one is repent. Pastor, I didn't do anything. You just did. Repent. Number two, forgive the person. What I just said, number three, is pray for that person with a desire to feel what God feels for them. There's a reason why that happened. If we know as believers and we've come above that we know that we do not war against flesh and blood but against the devil, there's a reason why that's happening through that person to you. Number four is probably one of the hardest because all those things set you up for this one. You need to do an act that is visible that you're walking in love. You're probably not going to get this in a little devotion or a little card. But here it is. You could take that person a gift. You could do them a service. They want a free car and you need a car. Get over it. Go buy them a tank of gas. And say, God, I'm not going to allow that 
jealousy to turn into bitterness that's going to keep me from doing what you have for me in my life. Let's pray. God, you are an amazing father. God, through your word, you have allowed us to become an overcomer if we choose to follow your way. And from here to there is not easy. But God, we know that you have given us the gift of everlasting life and that starts right now. And Father, how that plays out in our life really is our choice. We can choose life or we can choose death. And Father, we choose life. We choose the way that you've had for us from the beginning of creation. We will not let jealousy, we will not let bitterness get the better of us. We will walk in love, especially at church. And then with our families and God, then with the people that are around us. This morning, I just feel like I would like to pray for you. And please, every head bowed and every eye closed. Please. Because it's nobody else's business at this point. It'll be a choice on all of our hearts later if we act out what we're saying. But this morning, if you're going through something and, and this message has really kind of kind of revealed some things in your life that maybe that you kind of neglected. I, I want to pray with you about that. Would you just quickly raise your hand and slip it down? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Man, it's touched so many of us. You can't see because your head's bowed, but my hand's up too. Anybody else? Thank you. Hallelujah. God, today we pray for freedom in these lives. And Father, as we do life together, help us not to have so much pride that we will not admit that we need help. Now, Father, I, I pray and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us this week when this message is brought back to our remembrance. The Father, that we need to act. Act. God, that we've repented and we have fruit of our repentance. Thank you for your forgiveness in our life. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.